0: Our next case is United Daughters of the Confederacy, NC Division, Inc. versus City of Uh Winston-Salem, et al., and we will hear from the appellant.
1: Mr. Chief Justice and Justices of the North Carolina Supreme Court, good afternoon. My name is James A. Davis. I represent the plaintiff of this action, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, the North Carolina Division. At the outset, I'd like to request 10 minutes for rebuttal in this matter. The facts in this case are very straightforward. I will not belabor them. However, at any point, if you wish a clarification of a factual point, I'll be more than welcome to respond. The purpose of the Daughters of the Confederacy was established for historical, benevolent, memorial, educational, patriotism programs, planned events, and scholarships. On October 4th, 1905, a memorial was for the fallen soldiers of the Confederacy erected on the county square in Forsyth County. The cost of the monument was paid by donations obtained in a campaign conducted by the United Daughters of the Confederacy, the James B. Gordon Chapter Number 12 to 11 a subsidiary of the UDC uh, uh, NC division <coughs> the Gordon chapter conceived the idea to erect the monument and raise the funds necessary to make it a reality our dead. there's no question those fine ladies are well beyond the reach of our hand today but the chapter and the UDC North Carolina Division survive as a legal entity and has done so for many years. It necessarily follows that the plaintiff, as a corporate entity with, with perpetual existence, has succeeded the interests of the deceased members of the affiliated chapter who were responsible for designing, funding, and erecting the Confederate Monument in the first place. On March 18, 2014, the property designated. As the historic Forsyth County Courthouse was conveyed to the defendant's Winston Courthouse LLC by Forsyth County by a general warranty deed, subject to the following exception. Quoting from the deed, except from the sale are the plaques mounted inside the building, time capsules currently buried inside the building, public monuments outside the building on the land. Grantee agrees to execute easements in the form and content that reasonably accepted both parties to allow grantor to continue access to maintain and or remove these items from land at the expense of the grantor. Winston-Salem Winston Courthouse LLC acknowledged in a letter which is record 210 to 211 that the Confederate monument was owned by the County of Forsyth yet The county of Forsyth does not contest that the UDC claims ownership of the monument. The complaint alleges colorable claims that plaintiff's members and the affiliate chapters are responsible for funding, erecting the Confederate monument in question. That no government expenses were involved in, in, in the enterprise and the defendant of Forsyth County is the owner of the monument. In its present posture, the litigation consists of articulate allegations sufficient to establish standing on the part of the plaintiff to initiate the proceeding and to seek relief while defending itself against the unprovoked threats by, by against plaintiff by defendant Winston-Salem with the active and ongoing support of the other defendants.
2: Mr. Davis, <clears throat> sorry to interrupt you so early on, but can you point me to what in the complaint Um, I'm looking at the amended complaint in the record um, alleges um, anything that would give sufficient interest on the part of UDC to qualify for standing. Yes. I, I take it that the courts had a problem with that aspect of the filing.
1: Two amendments to the original complaint. Um, the statement of facts allege, as we stated, that the <coughs> daughters of the according Gordon Chapter, two eleven, instructed the monies and got permission from the county to established this monument on county property. Right. Okay. In the conveyance from the county to Courthouse LLC, they reserve the interest in that property as county interest. The daughters of the Confederacy have been approached and told that they are owners of of this monument and directed to remove it from the premises. Before that could occur, the motion for, for, for um, uh, temporary restraining order was denied and the motion for preliminary ju- junction was delayed until such time as the county, city, and Winston Courthouse filed their motions to dismiss. As, as stated, in our complaint. The implied ownership is from the act of having constructed, collected the money and sought the development and presentation of this monument. They went as far as to seek the county's involvement to permit them and to dedicate this to the county of site. I think our complaint speaks as to the elements of interest.
2: And, And my question was, can you point me to what in the complaint would allege that?
1: Well, I think paragraph nine of the first claim requesting declaratory judgment again brings forth the, the granting of the plaintiff's permission to install, to dedicate. That interest survives as a interest, not necessarily as a a tangible ownership of the monument. But the controversy here is that the county or excuse me the city states the UDC is the owner by its demand for it to be removed. And but
2: that's not in the complaint. The complaint doesn't allege that the UDC is the owner, correct? It,
1: it is implied by the actions of the city.
3: What, what is entry?
1: Okay, on, on page 50 of the record, paragraph 14. On the 31st of December 2018, the city manager, city and mayor caused a letter to the plan stating that they had until January 31st, 2019 to remove the monument from the Liberty and Fourth Street. Well, that is an explicit statement that the U- UDC owned the monument. You cannot be ordered to move something if it's not perceived that you own it.
2: Well, you could be ordered to remove it, but you might not own it.
1: I mean. Well, this, this is the whole point of the declaratory judgment, Your Honor, is that there are competing interests in this matter. The city claims the UDC owns it, the UDC asserts that the county owns it.
2: And the, the and paragraph are, 13 of the complaint, right above that, um, the complaint says that the county deems the ownership of the monument um, on the land, including the monument, to be that of the county of Forsyth.
1: And that's the controversy, Your Honor. They've acted in a course of conduct that seems to suggest that they do own the monument. Mm-hmm. And that in- implies a whole lot of different implications as to what law applies to this Uh, first do we get to that point
3: does your client claim ownership of any interest in this monument at this point they have an interest in it from a, a historical meaningful way do they do they claim any
1: legal interest in it their legal interest in it is only implied
3: at this point by the city's notion that they own it well i mean the city I, mean, I understand your argument that the city has said that they own it does your client contend that they have any ownership interest in
1: the monument their contention is that the ownership is unknown but if it is declared their property they will certainly take ownership of it and this is where the dilemma is your honor there is a specialized interest by the by the UDC in this in this monument, there is a there is now harm, irreparable harm caused to the UDC. In fact, if they own the monument, thirdly, there is a remedy for this. If the court finds, in its wisdom, that the monument is owned by the UDC, then they have reparation rights.
3: If the What kind of reparation rights? I mean, is there any evidence in the any allegation in the complaint that the monument itself has sustained any physical damage? It's been removed. In the second, in the second amended complaint, it states that
1: the monument has or the amended preliminary injunction. It states that the monument has been dismantled and removed and placed in storage in an unknown location.
3: Well, I mean, maybe maybe I'm splitting too fine a hair here, but is there any, putting aside the question of where the monument is physically allowed to be, is there any evidence of any damage to the monument that wouldn't go away if it was put up somewhere? We have not inspected, we have not had the opportunity to inspect
1: that monument since it was dismantled. All we know is it was
3: dismantled and placed in storage. Well, is, is your client's concern that the monument was, I mean, my, my reading of it is, is that your client's concern is that the monument is no longer at the location that it previously was situated at? Is that a fair assessment of what your client's concern is?
1: That is a fair assessment. And it hinges on two facts. One, the monument statute, if it applies, which goes back to who owns the monument. If the monument statute applies, then the statute, the monument says that if removed temporarily, it's to be returned to its place where it was originally placed, or placed in a substitute point of of substantive material prominence. Comparative to the place it was removed from. In this instance, we have no likely substitute of a substantially similar place of prominence in the county of Forsyth other than the courthouse grounds.
2: So quickly, um, are you referring to the statute um, section 100-2.1?
1: I believe that's the statute I'm referring
2: to. And it applies to... Monuments on public property or owned by the state well, right?
1: Forsyth County is a subsidiary of the state of North Carolina. It was sitting on quote state property while it sat upon the courthouse square and Including the easement that was reserved.
2: But if your client is Wanting us or the courts to imply that they own it Wouldn't that by definition mean the statute wouldn't apply?
1: That is the issue of the declaratory judgment, Your Honor, is to determine who first owns the monument. And at this point, we have not had our day in court to establish that by clear and convincing evidence. The of evidence has not even been reached. We have been denied the opportunity to establish who owns it. If we are permitted to establish who owns it, then the rest of this case shall follow according to either it's subject to the monument statute or it's not. Does, if it's not your, subject.
3: I'm sorry. I mean, does your client? I mean, I'm gonna. We've already had hypotheticals this morning about pizzas. Let me let me try something else. Let's let's assume, for purposes of discussion, that I see a pizza sitting on the table between you and me. Uh, I don't claim that that's my pizza. I just see a pizza sitting there. Then it looks good, and therefore I'm interested in it because I like sausage and onion, and I like sausage and onion pizza. Um, do I have a right to file a declaratory judgment seeking a determination as to who owns that pizza? If you have no interest in that pizza, I have no legal interest. It looks good, and therefore I'm <laughs> interested in it because I'm hungry. I mean, I'm just—I mean, I'm making up my facts as I well, go along. Today, so. I'm sorry, Ryan. You can't manufacture
1: claims for relief. If you are saying that this proverbial pizza is something that you like and you desire, do you actually have a physical interest in it? Daughters of, of the Confederacy have a interest in this property to the extent it is determined who
3: owns it. If And that's a legal interest. But where does that mean? Can you cite me something that shows that the fact that Your client or the predecessor organization did these things that you've alleged, therefore gives your client a right without claiming ownership of the property itself to seek a declaration as to who owns it? It's it's a simple statement. We were invited into this
1: fight. We didn't manufacture the cause of action. The cause of the action was thrust upon us by the demand of the city to remove this monument. If you're a bully in a in a, court, in a playground and you're trying to assault someone, does that person not have the right to defend himself? And this is the C- UDC's effort to defend its rights to know whether they have to move the monument or the county owns it. That is a so, critical so, issue.
3: So, is 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 your contention then? that the fact that your client would like, for reasons related to the existence of the organization, that the monument stay where it was on the old courthouse square property, that by itself is enough to create an interest sufficient to support a declaratory judgment action?
1: Is our position that is correct. Okay. In fact, if you look at the amended preliminary motion for preliminary injunction, it addresses that issue specifically in that Manya had been removed, and our motion for clear injunction asked the court to replace it to a place of prominence at the courthouse square.
0: Court. You said you were invited into this fight. Is that? Uh, are you referring to the letter from the city of Winston-Salem uh, to your organization uh, Directing you to remove the monument.
1: That's exactly right your honor.
0: And so the question then becomes since the city uh, Instructed you to remove or your organization uh, to, re, uh, to remove the monument uh, Then the question becomes Why did the city do that and do they believe that your organ that the organization you represent is actually the owner and? the purpose of your declaratory judgment is to determine in fact, who the owner is and what ownership responsibilities might flow from that?
1: That's exactly correct. The issue becomes that the city of Winston-Salem acted ultra vires in taking the monument down. There are <coughs> bases to say that the notice is not sufficient to say you have to take it down. They have to provide a fair hearing for the UDC to come to court and answer the claim that they have to remove it. Even the abandoned property statute says that before property (coughs) can be declared abandoned and escheats to the state, there has to be a judicial process. The city acted without judicial process. They just came in and grabbed the monument and put it in storage and then asked the court to make us go away, saying that we had not an interest in this property, that we have not a particularized interest we do not feel a reparable harm and, and therefore we should not have a right to stand before this court or any court in the state to seek redress and there if is redress. In this client, state.
0: If your client had not received that letter uh, and uh, then, then the situation would be very different that is presented to us.
1: That is correct. Because the monument may well be still standing. The city may have enacted a process under the the statute or the uh, county ordinance or the state provisions for nuisance. A city has the right within a mile of their jurisdiction to seek the removal, revocation, or repair of something that they deem is a nuisance to the public health and safety. There is a network of laws that provide for the proper process. That process was not answered in any way at all. And that, again, goes back to if the city claims that the the UDC owned the monument, it could not be deemed abandoned if it was established they owned it. It could not be subject to a, a nuisance action without due process and the city did not engage in due process. If the city engaged in due process and the answers to these questions came as to who owned the monument, then we would not be here because at some point before we got to this point in this proceeding, someone would be deemed the owner. And that's critical to determine what laws apply to this monument. We're not saying the city may not own it or the county may not own it by their course of conduct. And they're reserving the easement to maintain the monument. That to us is a clear indication that they own it. But
4: we haven't response? got to that point. What's your response to the Court of Appeals position, citing its own law, uh, its case law that it's rendered, that in order to pursue a declaratory judgment that the daughters have to show at the very least that it possessed some interest in the statue?
1: By responding to the fight, they expressed that interest in that monument. They said to the city, by this lawsuit, we have an interest in preserving it, but we don't know if we own it. There's a difference in degree of ownership. It's like Webster said in his thesis: a bundle of sticks. That's what property is, and you may have just one piece of that stick missing, and you may not have total title to that property. That's real estate law, but ch- chancery law, ch- tangible personal property law, is different. But this is talking about a fixture upon the ground.
4: Well, understanding your position that. You, on behalf of the Daughters, want to pursue the declaratory judgment in order to help to establish ownership. The Court of Appeals has said the order should be actually reversed and that there needs to be a demonstration of ownership or some possessory interest in order to pursue the declaratory judgment. What's your position on that from the Court of Appeals' standpoint?
1: Respectfully, I must refer to Judge Tyson's dissent, his dissent was very clear that the UDC had standing to seek a determination as to who owns this monument. He had at least 10 points in his dissent of which we're not gonna to try to get to today because before this case can ever go in any direction, it first needs to determine who owns the monument and that was the purpose of the declaratory judgment is to say from the court Mr. City, Miss County, Miss UDC, one of you owns this. And if you own it, then the rights that flow from that ownership is what next comes in a determination of what happens in this monument.
4: The Court of Appeals cited its rendition of an opinion in a case Coma Property, LLC versus Station One Incorporated uh, for that position. And I'm quoting from the opinion Quote, the mere filing of a declaratory judgment is not sufficient on its own to grant a plaintiff standing, unquote. Are you asking this court to overturn beach Property, LLC?
1: Not at all, Your Honor, because we didn't file this action merely. We responded to a, a, a clear and present attack. That attack was by the city of Winston-Salem saying, you own this item and we want you to do something with it. Well, our response to that is, well, let's see if we own it. Because you say we do, we have an interest in it, but that like a bundle of sticks, we don't have all the sticks in that bundle. We have maybe one, and that's a historical preservation interest in the value of that monument. You can't define interest in a, in a fixture by only one measure. You can measure it in many ways. And when we look at the measurement in this matter, we're not saying that beachcomber is wrong or should not apply, but it is not applied in the manner in which we believe would best suit the ends of justice. I'm going to have to reserve the last five minutes of my argument for rebuttal. I thank you very much for your time. If you have any questions, certainly I'll take. Thank you, counsel.
0: We'll hear from the FLEs.
5: Good afternoon. May it please the court. My name is Angela Carmen, and I represent the city of Winston-Salem. I have with me Mr. Gordon Watkins, who represents (coughs) the uh, county of Versailles and Mr. Lauren Lapidus, who represents the private property owner, Winston Courthouse, LLC. Thank you for having me here. Um, five years ago this month, precisely, the Confederate statute set at the corner of 4th and Liberty Streets. On that particular day, it was vandalized. It was spray painted with the word shame. The city of Winston-Salem immediately responded and remove the word shame and ask for calm and peace in the city of Winston-Salem because that fell on the heels of the incident that occurred in Charlottesville, Virginia, that resulted in the death of a young lady. Despite the city's calls for calm, on December 25th, 2018, the monument was again vandalized and spray-painted with the words. Howards and traitors
6: counsel. I'm sorry uh, to interrupt you so early in your argument, but um, you you through letters to the uh, Plaintiffs asserted on a number of occasions that they had uh, at a minimum some type of possessory interest is that correct?
5: Your Honor what we actually asserted was that there were claims of ownership by the UDC and the reason we asserted that is because in 2012 and 2013 when there was an effort or at least a comment by the then Walter Marshall who was a commissioner site county commissioner about removing the monument there were claims of ownership by the UDC the city never said or disputed those claims of ownership so that's why the letter says claims of ownership by the UDC the city never disputed that nor did it ever say in fact that the UDC owned that monument
7: well
6: council on uh Page 110 of the record, you indicate that the Confederate statue is privately owned. That's a letter dated January 30th. It's at the very top of that page. Who privately owned the statue?
5: We're not certain, Your Honor. Um, We know that the county of Forsyth has denied ownership. The city has never claimed ownership. And, of course, Winston Courthouse LLC has never claimed ownership. And, but it's, and you, our, I'm sorry. it's our understanding that it's privately owned.
6: And um, despite not knowing who owned it, uh, you sent uh, at least one letter to the UDC indicating that um, a, a nuisance needed to be abated, abated. Is that right?
5: We sent the first letter indicating that we were concerned about uh, the safety of the monument, the residents of the privately owned residential building and our citizens. And the second letter that went out on January 30th indicated that we were concerned about the continuance of that monument at that location and that it was prejudicial to public safety. Again, based upon the assertions by the UDC at the time in 2012 that it owned it, which you will not find assertions of such respectfully in the complaint or the amended complaint.
6: Well, but, but again, you were asserting that uh, a nuisance needed to be abated, and you sent those letters to the UDC?
5: Yes, we did.
6: And what are the uh, potential expenses or penalties uh, for abatement of a nuisance against a party who is declared
5: to have a nuisance? Based upon the actual city code provisions, 62-3 B and C, as well as General Statute 168-193, the actual letter declaring a nuisance is to go to the property don't property owner the real property owner and so technically yes we sent the letter to winston courthouse llc but because of the claims of ownership the city felt that it should not that it was legally required to but it was the right thing to do to send a letter to the udc and by the way um the city did not assess any costs for removal or storage of that Confederate monument to either the UDC or Winston Courthouse LLC because it relied upon the permission granted by the private property owner to remove the statute.
6: Well, that that you didn't assess a penalty or expense is is not the question. The question is what are the potential expenses and penalties?
5: The cost of removal of that statute as well as the storage would have been had we used that nuisance declaration and proceeded to remove it under that declaration
6: so so you sent a letter to someone you didn't know um had an ownership interest indicating that you wanted them to remove a nuisance subject to these penalties and they file an action requesting a declaratory judgment based on um in paragraph 17 of their amended complaint um uh, a public nuisance being declared alleging that the confederate monument was a threat to public health and safety is it, i mean is that right partially okay and they request a declaratory judgment seeking to determine what their right title and interest in that monument that you want to declare a public nuisance and have them subject to expenses um, but I, is that not a proper use of the declaratory judgment act
5: i don't think so um, Your Honor, because the Declaratory Judgment Act specifically states there must be a case in controversy. There was no one other than the UDC in 2012 claiming ownership of it. The city certainly did not claim ownership of that statute. The county did not claim ownership, nor did Winston Courthouse LLC claim ownership. And again, the reason the letter was sent was not because we perceived that there was a legal right to it, but it was just a matter of courtesy because of those prior assertions of ownership. Well,
6: and, and, and perhaps, perhaps so, but uh, receiving that letter, indicating that a public nuisance was going to be declared against uh, this group or individuals and subject them to expenses and, and potential liens against property, um, shouldn't they take some action?
5: I think, Your Honor, part of what is missing in the discussion is the fact that the private property owner agreed that it was a public safety concern and asked the city to actually remove the Confederate monument because of those safety concerns. They sent a letter, Winston Courthouse LLC, revoking whatever permission had been previously granted, not an easement, but just permission, on January 8th. They said, because we agree with the city, essentially, that there is a public nuisance here, there is a safety hazard here, that Confederate monument must be removed from our private property, which is a a private residential property, they asked the city to remove it if it was not removed. And that was the basis, Your Honor, of the removal. And I think that is what is missed in the discussion, is that there was a private property owner who agreed, who expressed safety concerns and said, please remove this monument. My residents are calling the police, they're calling me, they're afraid of what's occurring right outside the uh, bedroom windows, please remove this monument. So we didn't have to rely on that public declaration.
6: Well, under under 62-3 of the Winston-Salem ordinances, subsection C, doesn't the um, assistant city manager have the authority to summarily remove the monument?
5: He does, but
6: So the, what was the purpose of the notification by letter to the UDC then?
5: I think given the situation, Your Honor, um, Again, sometimes a municipality does what is not only legally right, but is correct from the standpoint of being appropriate. And I think the city felt that before it removed the monument, it should let everyone know what was going to happen. Because had it not provided any kind of notice to anyone, including the landowner, as well as the UDC, based upon prior searches of ownership, the city would have been a subject to claims of not being transparent, not uh, letting the public know what was going to happen. And so it's that narrative, quite honestly, I think the city wanted to avoid and be, quite frankly, honest about what was going to take place. And yes, while it does say summarily, the city has always worked with the private property owner, under that uh, co-provision, as well as general statute, in cooperation to take care of the nuisance. Thank you.
2: So
5: with all, all, um, I don't know, this is probably
2: sort of a hypothetical, so I apologize for that. Um, If the UDC had responded to the letter saying um, to the city, dear city, we don't own this, so um, sorry, we, we can't take any action here, what would have happened?
5: The city, again, in cooperation with the private property owner, who said, we share your safety concerns. Please remove the statute. We would have removed the statute, which, by the way, has not been destroyed. The city placed the statute, the Confederate statute, in storage for preservation and has said, find a place where it will not be prejudicial to public safety, and we will erect the monument at no cost to anyone, the city will bear that expense. And even today, the city is willing to do that because we understand there are citizens in Winston-Salem who value that statute and we wanna put it <coughs> up somewhere where it's safe. I, I realize you may be getting to
8: this, so I apologize if I'm jumping too far ahead, but I wanna make sure I understand your position with regard to what I believe I heard the plaintiffs to be asserting and that is, Um, that it's important to determine who owns the statute because that determines what law applies and that if Forsyth County owns the statute, uh, I understand their contention to be that then this statute 100-2.1A, which um, says that a monument, memorial, or work of art owned by the state may not be removed, um, that if the county owes it, then this provision actually applies. Do you agree with that position?
5: I do not. Um, I think that general statute, in first uh, paragraph A, indicates if it's owned by the state, then paragraph B applies if it's on public property. But if it's a public monument on public property, I believe this general statute applies. But if you look at, C exceptions, there is an exception when there is a privately owned monument on public property. And again, the arrangement here was for that monument to be there with permission only, and so that permission has been revoked. So I don't believe the general statute that he's referenced applies.
8: Well, and, and that was gonna be my follow-up, was if it is not owned by the state, but it is on private property, does this statute apply? I, I
5: don't think it does. I don't think it does.
0: And aren't those questions to be determined by court? The ownership, uh, uh, is the easement adequate? Uh, there's the allegation that the county uh, asked that the courthouse and the uh, apparently the monuments there be placed on the National uh, uh, Historic Register, uh, which it was. Uh, Isn't ownership, despite the disclaimers, uh, as well as what law applies and how, aren't those all questions to be determined by the court?
5: I think so. If, in fact, you plead, in your pleadings, your complaint or amended complaint, an ownership interest, there is absolutely no claim of ownership by the UDC in the complaint or amended complaint despite having made assertions of that in 2012. And there's no case or controversy on the Declaratory Judgment Act if, the on- if this county, the city and Winston Courthouse LLC are not claiming ownership. So I think they- it has to be properly before the court, which I don't think this case is. Is anyone
2: claiming ownership of the monument in this lawsuit? Not in the
5: lawsuit. That's why I don't think it's properly before the court.
0: Well, that, that's that's the purpose of the lawsuit. And the, the big question, it seems to me, is, is the fact that um, there was uh, the letter uh, sent to UDC saying uh, you could be liable for the removal, or you should remove, or whatever the language was. Uh, The question is, is that adequate to present uh, UDC with uh, the ability to go to the court and say, court, we don't want to be held responsible for any uh, potential damages from uh, uh, this alleged nuisance. Um, And we want to know who the owner is. uh, Why is that not sufficient, excuse me, to create standing?
5: I don't think sending a letter To someone who now is not claiming ownership creates um, standing or creates ownership again the letter was sent because of prior claims in the newspaper of ownership and under the statute and under the city code that does not require or mandate a letter be sent it was just simply sent as a matter of courtesy so Um, if the citizen
0: excuse me go ahead
5: if you send a letter to someone and they don't own it, it doesn't mean that the letter has in fact granted them ownership.
0: No, but it does mean that there's potential liability until they get established by a court that they don't own it. For example, if a citizen here in Raleigh gets a letter from the city of Raleigh saying, oh, by the way, this uh, creates a nuisance and you need to, to move it or else, uh, that citizen can say, well, I don't own it Well, what if the city doesn't accept that? What if the city continues to believe the citizen does? Well, it seems to me the citizen uh, potentially should be able to go and get whatever responsibility that might be determined by a court. Why wouldn't that apply here?
5: Because you have an intervening factor here, Your Honor. You have a private property owner who, and it's a property owner of a private residential building, who said to the city of Winston-Salem, I have sent a letter, again, based upon assertions of ownership by the UDC, saying this statute needs to be removed because my residents are afraid of what is occurring. We agree with your safety concerns. Please remove the statute from our private property. And there is nothing that precludes a city from relying upon that request of the private property owner who agrees that there is safety concerns and the statute should be removed. And I think that intervening factor, which is what the city relied upon, makes it different.
0: What if the statute is owned by uh, Forsyth County?
5: Then I think the question would be, does that statute sit on public <coughs> property or private property? And here it's clear that the property Underneath that statute was conveyed to Winston Courthouse LLC in 2014.
0: Subject to an easement.
5: And the easement
0: then, it would seem to me, would be up to a court to determine what easement, whether whether the the, uh, easement creates public uh, property underneath the statute.
5: In my opinion, it really wasn't subject to an easement. It was with the expression that an easement could be at some future date time be granted. That document in and of itself did not create the easement. It was contemplated that that easement would be created at some future date and point in time. If you look at the letter that was sent by the city, the city asked the parties, has an easement been created? And they said no.
0: Well again, I think that That may be your view, but why should a court not be able to make that determination?
5: But again, I think in order to get to to the courthouse door, you have to assert some basis for saying they have a legal interest in the statute, which again has not been harmed. If anything, it's been preserved. I mean,
3: mean, to to go to the the, the chief's hypothetical for a second, has... My understanding is that in order to get a, to obtain, seek and obtain a declaratory judgment, you have to have an adverse. You actually have an, Have to have some kind of an actual adverse controversy.
5: That's correct, Your Honor.
3: Has any in the, the chief's question asked about the potential that the UDC would be held responsible for cost associated with the monument in some respect? As, at least, if I understood his question correctly, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong about that, but has there been any claim that the UDC bears any liability for anything arising out of the statute? statute?
5: Thank you for that question. No, there has not been. Uh, As I indicated earlier, because the city removed the statute with the permission of the private property owner, no claims for storage, removal, or anything have been sent to Winston Courthouse, LLC, or the UDC for that matter.
3: What what, what, in your view would a litigate seeking a determination as to who owned this monument have to allege in order to show standing? I mean, you've said what you don't think is sufficient and I had a discussion with Mr. Davis about the nature of the interest that his client claimed, what in your view is a sufficient interest to seek a declaration regarding the ownership of a piece of property?
5: I think you would have to allege ownership, some form of ownership in that property. Um, Certainly, um, claims based upon um, that ownership I think would be sufficient.
3: So to go back to my pizza, analogy earlier where I'm interested in it, it looks good, I would like to eat it. Uh, do I have standing to seek a declaration as to who owns that pizza if I don't claim to own it myself and therefore be entitled to eat a piece?
5: No, you do not.
4: To follow up on Justice servant's uh, hypothetical to you and the question she just asked you. Uh, the Court of Appeals in this case uh, has cited appellate case law as precedent to say that to establish standing for such actions as bring the declaratory judgment that a plaintiff situated as the daughter's here must demonstrate three things and the first of those three things is injury in fact. As the city saw fit to send a letter uh, to the daughters uh, coupled with the fact that uh, there was the interest of the private property owner concerning safety issues Uh, what does the city understand if at all the injury in fact to be to the plaintiff in this
5: case I don't think there's been an injury your honor I think that is part of why we're here uh, saying that there's no injury there's been no claim of ownership there's been no injury to the property itself is in storage if anything we've protected it so it can be erected on private property with the permission of the private uh, property owner so it can be enjoyed by um, other individuals who um, enjoy seeing such monuments.
4: So in being motivated to send a letter uh, to the plaintiff here, the petitioner here, uh, was there any determination made by the city or any of the other defendants, uh, to your knowledge, in responding to the daughters that there was an identifiable injury in fact as required by the case law in order to establish standing to bring an action such as a declaratory judgment.
5: We looked at the uh, records as best we could to determine the ownership, and again, relied upon what they had asserted. But we also looked at whether or not the statute, by being removed and placed in storage until it could be found uh, to rest at a proper place, whether or not that constituted harm, and determine that does, that does not constitute harm. And if I may, uh, I, I appreciate all the questions, but I'd like to yield the remaining time to my co-defendants, I believe, if I may.
7: Thank you Chief Justice Newby and may it please the court. I'm Lauren Lapidus for the defendant at Winston Courthouse, LLC. I think plaintiff's appeal really tries to turn North Carolina's standing jurisprudence on its head as I think some members of this body recognize. A, a litigant must sufficiently allege standing in order for a court to have authority to, to declare rights under the declaratory judgment act. But this, claim, but this plaintiff has followed deck action to test whether it has standing and I understand there was some questions from the Chief and from Justice Berger about the, the letter that Winston-Salem sent, but from time immemorial, this court has repeatedly held that subject—that ma- standing is a question of subject matter jurisdiction, and subject matter jurisdiction can never be conferred by consent, by waiver, or by agreement, or otherwise. It exists on the law and the law alone. Um, Justice Earls, I think you asked a question about uh, whether 100-2.1 might apply, and I think uh, at core, that becomes an academic question, Justice Earls, because you really have to look at the complaint that was filed in this case by this plaintiff, and when we look at the complaint filed by in, by this plaintiff, I think that takes us to this court's opinion in Sykes versus Health Network, in which this court has ruled that a plaintiff's claim for declaratory relief under a statute creates no private cause of action and must be dismissed. And this court has expressed um, its uh, disfavor from uh, allowing anything else but express. Provisions in statutes providing for private causes of action and the text of a hundred 2.1 indeed creates no private cause of action I think that's indisputable and nor is there any implicit right of action because it does not mandate any action It does not it does not mandate any action at all. It actually prohibits So, Mr. Any action. Just,
2: uh, just a quick question if um, the city had sent its letter to UDC and they had responded by saying we don't own it who if anyone would have had the standing to bring a lawsuit for declaratory judgment to determine ownership?
7: Well, I think the letters uh, become academic and they d- what you have to look at is the complaint, which we moved to dismiss under Rule 12b6. And that, that uh, complaint was dismissed with prejudice and that's the legally correct result. So you you can have letters that go back and forth claiming things, but until you have a complaint that alleges, and I think uh, there was also a question uh, from Justice Urban about what kind of legal interest, and that's that's what this court's Decision in MPAC requires infringement of a legally protected right, so that gets us to an ownership, right? It could be a lease. It could be an easement. It could be um, a contract (coughs) It could be a grant agreement for fundraising, but we haven't we don't have any of that here um, Or toward and we don't have we don't have any legally protected interest that was violated And that's the first element of the impact test and that element was not met here.
0: Let me jump to okay in Goldston uh, we talked about uh, taxpayer standing with regard to uh, actions that the taxpayer believed uh, violated uh, the uh, a statute. Uh, with 100-2.1, uh, who can, uh, if that statute is perceived to have been violated, who could bring a lawsuit to enforce it?
7: Uh, I believe, just Chief Justice Newby, that that... Um any implicit right of action in that statute would inure to the North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources, uh, but, but certainly they, not but this. But they
0: potentially question. would be the ones who would violate it.
7: I'm sorry, chief.
0: They potentially could be involved in the alleged violation.
7: Well, um, if if the um, the state department feels like it has a standing interest, it could try to seek a declaratory judgment if it if it wants to. But I think what you have here is you have uh, a complaint that was filed where the first element of the impact test wasn't met there's been no allegation sufficient allegation of any legal infringement of any legal right and I think what we have here really is where plaintiff has alleged nothing more than a, you know a historical affinity or a deep nostalgic attachment for confederate artifacts um, from many years ago um, but there's no infringement of any legal right and courthouses in this state should be left only for those real party interests who can allege an actual legal injury under impact um, this plaintiff essentially asks this court uh, to be uh, authorize the trial courts to be turned into advisory opinion and heart bomb bureaus, contrary to MPAC. But that infringement of a legal right is necessary. And in my remaining two minutes and 55 seconds, I defer to my colleague, Mr. Watkins, for the county of Forsyth. Uh,
9: thank you. Uh, my name is Gordon Watkins, Forsyth County Attorney. I'll just very quickly uh, state, uh, appreciate the questions that have been asked. Uh, as Justice uh, Hudson asked, There is no evidence, there's no allegation in the complaint that this object of remembrance was located on public property. That has to be the case if 100-2.1B applies. There was no easement. There was language about the parties contemplating an easement, but there never was one executed. And that easement that they contemplated was just for maintenance. But it specifically stated uh, Excuse right- me, Councillor. I,
5: I realize you've got two minutes. You say there's no easement. Is it not correct to say that there was no recorded easement? Would you like to clarify?
9: There, there is no recorded easement, but I would state that there is no easement either because it, it wasn't actually recorded and the easement needs to be recorded to be effective.
8: Aren't the
0: reservation there? in the deed, wouldn't, that, sorry. No, no, go wouldn't a reservation in the deed be uh, adequate? Uh, to uh, indicate that the easement is there? I mean, it's got to save and accept uh, for the, the, the monuments.
9: I don't believe so, Your Honor, because what that contemplated in, in the deed and also in the easement was a separation between the personal property of the statue and the real property of the land. The real property was deeded to Winston Court LLC, and, and the references are to the monuments on the land and a time capsule inside the building. So to say that the land didn't get transferred to Winston LLC is, is trying to require a private property owner to hold a statue on its property in perpetuity. And, and that simply was not envisioned by any of the parties to this case.
0: Even when it was uh, in 2014 when it was submitted to, uh, the, uh, to put it on the National Historic Register? by the county the
9: the national historical register has no uh, requirement that a monument can't be moved that's that's not part of what that is and so that was um, basically to get uh, favorable tax credit for winston court llc but that that hasn't been pled uh that part has been pled in the amended complaint there was a complaint and an amended complaint there was time to get it right but there was no allegation of ownership by um, the Daughters of the Confederacy. The local chapter took a voluntary to dismissal. They're no longer a party. There's no allegation about the ownership of the property that was underneath the statue. The only allegation is an offhand allegation that the county deems itself to be an owner of the statue, which clearly is not the case from the language of the deed. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Council. Rebuttal.
1: First and foremost, I think the writing of the exception is chargeable to the county you must stand up to what you write you can't then later say oh no i didn't mean this the language of that exception in the deed is clear and concise you can't
3: express Mr., mr davis just to make sure i'm following you is it your where is it alleged in the amended complaint that the county wrote the exception as compared to it having been mutually agreed upon between the parties. I'm sorry, Your Honor, I'm not quite... I said, where, where, you said that the county drafted the exception, where, where, what, is that, is that alleged in the amended complaint? Well, the
1: amended complaint incorporated the original complaint, Your Honor. We did not exclude the allegations of the original complaint from, from the amended complaint. That was
3: not our intent in, in amending... But does it say that anywhere in the amended complaint? Your Honor. Go go ahead, Mr. Davis. I don't want to take up what's left of your time. But a controversy arises when
1: someone says, you're going to do this or you're going to seek penalties. In that letter from the county, or from the city, it was very clear that you had to do something or we're going to take an action. And that action will result in, in something. That something could have been a levy of cost, expense, so there is an actual controversy existing as to what would happen if the city deemed, if the UDC deemed it owned the property. But
2: they haven't actually levied those penalties or costs at this point? Is that right?
1: That's right. But at the same time, Your Honor, nothing says they won't because there is no determination as to who owns it. That statute may lie in perpetuity in this warehouse costing the taxpayers, It's a cost, the taxpayers are paying it. I mean, a taxpayer could bring an action again regarding this monument to determine why the county taxpayers should have to pay for the storage and maintenance of this monument in storage. It's a circular argument in many ways, but the end argument is we need to determine who owns it and who has the right to do what should be done with it at some point in time. Well,
2: doesn't the plaintiff have the burden of showing or alleging in the complaint a sufficient legal interest to qualify it for standing?
1: I think in our state we give a notice pleading. Our notice in this case was the the letter sent by the count, by the city saying, you own it, you move it. That is sufficient to me in pleading a notice to the city that allegedly we own it. If the city didn't think we owned it why would they send us a letter I don't buy the courtesy or goodwill and all this they wanted somebody to move that monument and they didn't want to have to pay for it
2: well the complaint could have said upon information and belief and on that letter um, it appears that UDC owns this but it didn't did it
1: I think it's implicit in the paragraph addressing the letter from the city we are entitled to plead a notice We cannot. We need not be exact. The trial court and the evidence presented at trial is the determining factor as to what the outcome of this case is. There is a controversy. The interest of the UDC has been expressed in receipt of that letter. We asked for another 30 days to respond to that letter. They said, no, we're not gonna give you 30 days, it's just going to come down. Now as to the nuisance issue, let me address that particularly there was no showing that a imminent threat existed there was two acts of vandalism but nowhere in the record is it reflected that there was any acts of violence towards individuals or any other property the it is a fallacy for the city to say that all these issues came up and they had the right by statute by ordinance to remove it there is a proper procedure for notice, hearing, and determination by the court if a public nuisance exists. Thank you very much for your time, I appreciate the opportunity to be present.
0: Thank you, Council.